Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Hey, you guys sound awesome today. We got a little stripped down version going on. We're getting ready for the live nativity tonight. And I think that means we can hear you a little bit better. And man, the worship that was happening out here was powerful. I enjoyed that. And I know that God did as well. Hey, listen, this is the first week that I am standing up here preaching to you as your lead pastor. And I am incredibly excited about that. Listen, I'm just grateful um, for a church that keeps giving me opportunities, and and I'm so grateful for that. Mike shared last week, um, he shared a verse that was on his heart that kind of kick-started this process of of him making that decision to retire. And ever since that day, I've had a verse that's been on my heart as well. This is a verse that I shared with our elders this past week. It's Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, and it's it's a, a verse where God is speaking to a young leader who's stepping in to to follow a leader that has come before him. And this is what God says to him. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me tell you something. That is the prayer of my heart, that God will be with me in the same way that he's been with Mike. Uh, There's been so many good things that have happened in this church. I believe God is going to do amazing things in the future. And I'm just praying that God works in a powerful way. I do want to let you know about one other transition that we have started. Uh, We are transitioning Kristen Meyer into the executive pastor role. So she's right over here. Y'all give her a hand. I will let you know that uh, we brought her on staff with that in mind. That was the goal. Mike and I have talked for a long time about the possibility of this. She left us, uh, what, three years ago. Um, She got an education in leading staff and managing money and doing so many things, strategic working within an organization. And she's going to help by working with our staff and managing a lot of our operations. And she's going to be absolutely vital to the success and the strategy of what we're doing here. So I'm excited about that. Hey, listen, let me tell you a couple more things, a couple more pieces of business before we jump into God's Word. We got the live nativity tonight. Who's planning on coming to the live nativity tonight? Okay. That should be everybody, okay? Every single one of your hands should go up. It's going to be right here in this room and and out in the lobby. The live nativity is a huge, huge deal. Listen, for four years, I've heard people talk about the live nativity in this way. They say it's our gift to the community. And I'll be honest with you, I never understood that. It didn't make any sense to me. I've been to Christmas programs that had a a, a bigger uh, budget. I've been to Christmas programs that had, honestly, a a little bit better of a a show, uh, um, something that they'd worked really hard with acting and all these different things. I've, I've been to programs that had more refreshments than what ours have. But let me tell you something. After four years of inviting people to Northridge Christian Church and having them say over and over and over again, isn't that the church that does the nativity? I think I'm starting to get it. You see, this is our chance to share something with the community. In the midst of the chaos of Christmas, we just call people together to sit quietly in the presence of Jesus and remember what it's all about. And let me tell you something, when our church community experiences that, when the community out in the world around us experiences that, man, they experience peace and joy, and that's why this is our gift to the community. Here's my promise to you, okay? Every dollar we spend on this, 
Every costume we wear, every activity we do, it is all gonna be done to point people towards Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you to invite everybody you know to come hang out with you 6 to 8 p.m. tonight and tomorrow night. It will be a great thing. One more thing, our Christmas offering is happening right now. If you've uh, missed a couple weeks, you may not know this, but in the month of December, we put a cap on how much money we're gonna bring in for normal operations in the church. And we do that so that we can engage in some special projects. And this year's special projects, we're going to be doing some maintenance and upgrades in our lobby space. I know a lot of questions have been asked about what that means. Well, we're, we're looking at paint. We're looking at um, repairing some of the floor. We're looking at a missions wall. That's going to be the coolest thing that we do, what we have in mind for that. We're going to have a place where we can help people get connected faster in the church. So lots of good things that we're hoping to accomplish. But we're also going to be engaging in another project that we are so incredibly excited about, and that's making an incredibly generous donation to the CORE Foundation so that we can serve the people in Haiti. See, the CORE Foundation, they've got boots on the ground. This has been a hard year for all organizations financially, uh, but they are still working hard to feed children, um, to share the love of Jesus, to fight poverty, and we are going to work with them, partner with them in that, so that God can make an even bigger impact through them there. So any dollars you give this week, all throughout the month of December, they help us reach our goal of doing all of that and more. Sound good? Amen. All right, open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We're in week 5 of a series we're calling Fulfilled. And we're calling it that because Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises throughout history. You see, Jesus didn't just randomly show up as a baby crying in a manger. He showed up as the culmination of, of divine intervention, of mortal need, and of spiritual anticipation both here and in heaven. And Hebrews chapter 2 emphasizes the significance of all of this. This is what it says starting in verse 14. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, okay, that's talking about us. We have flesh and blood, human existence. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. Humanity, talking about Jesus. Jesus put on flesh and came into our world. He shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, again talking about us, for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Let me tell you something, that right there is the Christmas story in a nutshell. Jesus Christ, he left heaven, he came to earth, he put on flesh so that he could bring about salvation for his people. He became like us so that he could demonstrate his love for us. And through his sacrifice, you and I get to experience hope. I want you to look at somebody next to you, shake them awake and say, Jesus gave me hope. Tell them that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Now, let me start off with a confession, okay? I want to confess something. This has scandal written all over it, and it very well may end my week and a half tenure as your lead pastor, okay? But I feel like I got to get this off my chest, okay? Four years ago, I broke something, okay? Four years ago, I broke something. This could be hard, but I'm going to share it with you. I broke a prop of the live nativity. Some people would call it a relic um, of the live nativity, and I, I didn't do it on purpose, 
okay? It was an accident. I didn't mean to, but I was, I, it was late. I was tired. I was trying to help out, and so I stacked all these items on top of a card, and I, I started to wheel it through the lobby so that we could put it in storage, and one of those items came toppling down to the ground. What makes this tragic is I believe that item was actually donated to us by Mary, the mother of Jesus, so <laughs> I felt terrible about it. And it split into two parts, and I was, I was ashamed, I was overwhelmed. This is a church that I know is built on love and forgiveness, but y'all, I had my doubts, okay? And so what I did is I hid that item in my office behind some books, and I tried to bury it for four years. And just a couple weeks ago, after that two-week period where you were able to tell the elders any biblical reason why I should not be hired as the lead pastor had passed. Coincidentally, after that had passed, I, I came forward to the staff with a confession, and I said, this is what I did. And I want you to understand what happened next. You see, Kristen, at that point, empowered by the Holy Spirit and Gorilla Glue, she repaired what I had broken, she fixed it, she took away my shame, and for the first time since 2017, that item will be back in the live nativity tonight. Why am I telling you this? Well, because I want you to know how she got the executive pastor job. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, that had nothing to do with it, but, but it does matter because the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus did that for us. It says that Jesus stepped into our world and he fixed what we broke. He, he took away our shame, and in doing that, in bringing about salvation to us, he deserves something in return. He doesn't deserve a parking spot or a job title or a corner office. Instead, he deserves a seat in our hearts and in our minds. This is how Hebrews 3 begins that conversation. This is what it says. Hebrews 3, verse 1. It says, therefore, it's going to pop up. Sometimes our computer slows down on us. Let me read it from here. Therefore, okay? Now, you don't begin a conversation with the word therefore. That means it's a continuation of what happened in the past. Because Jesus took away our sin and shame, because he fixed what we broke, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Let me tell you, isn't it nice when somebody tells you exactly what they want for Christmas? I mean, it takes all the guesswork out of it, and that's exactly what's happening right here. In this verse, Jesus tells us what he wants from us in return for all that he's done. He says, what I want from you is that you don't occasionally let your thoughts wander towards me. He says, I want you to fix your thoughts on me. He says, I want you to build a foundation that won't move. I want you to pour the concrete. I want you to set up shop. I want you to grab a seat and stay a while. I want you to aim in one direction and don't stop. That's what Jesus wants, and that's what he deserves at Christmas time. Listen, the truth is that should be easy. I mean, it's Christmas. His name is in the title. It's Christ-mess. But unfortunately, at Christmas time, a lot of times we find it incredibly difficult to stay focused on the reason for this season, this experience. Let me quickly tell you a few of the things that distract us in this season, and these are just the obvious ones. What about this one? It's going to be Santa Claus popping up right here. We are having some problems, so I'm just going to have to distract. He's, you've seen him. He's got a red hat and a red suit. He's got a long white beard. But see, Santa or the elves or the reindeer or the snowmen or anything else, those things all fight. They're Christmas stories, and they fight for the center of our attention. Listen, I don't mind making room for Santa at Christmas. There he is, in case you forgot what he looked like. 
I don't mind making room for Santa at Christmas. I don't even mind if my kids thank him for all the toys that are under the tree as long as they remember to thank Jesus for the breath that's in their lungs. You know what I'm saying? What about this next one? Stuff, possessions, gifts, presents. I mean, we can't have Christmas without all the stuff, can we? How are we supposed to find happiness and joy if we don't have the latest gadget in our hands on Christmas morning? I mean, how are we supposed to express our love to our children or to our grandchildren unless we monetize it with a gift that we've picked out just for them? What about this one other distraction that we experience during this time of year? Busyness. Work parties and recitals and family gatherings and shows and so much more. Listen, for some of us, we're so busy during this month that, that we haven't had a meal at home since Thanksgiving. Can anybody relate to that? Okay, that's exactly how I feel. The list goes on and on. These things are not all bad, but let me tell you something. They are not the reason for this Christmas season. Jesus is the reason for the Christmas season. We know that, but when we're being honest, we have to say this stuff gets in the way sometimes, and it distracts us. It, it causes us to, to put him down in pursuit of everything else. So the question we're going to wrestle with today is this. How do we fix our thoughts on him without surrendering our attention to every competing priority? What is the foundation that keeps our focus steady? And the next few verses are going to take all the guesswork out of that as well. Let's look at it together. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. It says, he, meaning Jesus, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Listen, Jesus is greater than Moses. That probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us, okay? But what that does is that actually builds the foundation for us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, you see, on the surface, we're sitting here thinking, of course Jesus is greater than Moses. We celebrate Christmas, not Moses-mas, but, but I want you to understand, nearly every New Testament author makes this comparison. Nearly every single one. Even Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes this comparison over and over and over again. Jesus is greater than Moses, and there's something deeply significant about that comparison. I want to talk about three specific things that the early church, when they heard this comparison, would have understood and taken away from that and would have caused them to plant their feet and focus their attention on Jesus. The first one is this, Jesus is greater than my leader. Jesus is greater than my leader. You see, Moses was revered in Israel. He was a Jewish superhero that was often given um, somewhat of a religious um, uh, uh, divine status. He was the founder of the nation. He was the liberator of the people. He gave them the law, and he parted the sea. His words were studied. They were memorized and embraced. He suffered for the people, and he led them well. But still the author of Hebrews, he wants us to understand this. Jesus is immeasurably more. Verses 4 through 6 say this. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. You see, Moses was a servant in God's house, but Jesus is the one who rules over God's house. Even Moses, as great as he was, he does and always will take a back seat to Jesus Christ. Let me try and make this real simple, okay? I'm going to show you a picture of a guy up here. His name is Jordan Davis, okay? Jordan Davis is our senior nose tackle on the Georgia Bulldogs. He's the college defensive player of the year. Let me tell you why I'm showing you this. He's not here. It's okay. You don't have to clap. 
But let me tell you why I'm showing you this, because this right here, this is a normal-sized human being, okay? <laughs> That's what you and I would look like standing there in this picture. This right here, this is a big guy, okay? He's 315 pounds, six foot three. He looks like a dwarf in this picture, doesn't he? But this middle guy, he's a big guy. But then there's Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis towers over them. He's six foot six. He's 340 pounds. Listen, when the Bible says that Jesus is greater than Moses, this is what he's saying. He's saying if you line up Jesus next to Moses or next to anybody else that you put your hope and your trust in, they are going to fail in comparison to Jesus. That's why John the Baptist, when he pointed his followers to Jesus, he said, listen, you've been following me for a while, but I can only take you so far. I'm a leader for a season, but that man right there is the one that can take you all the way. That's why Peter, when Jesus asked, he says, do you guys, my disciples, do you want to leave me too? Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of life. Nobody else can be who you are. Nobody else can do what you do. They recognized that Jesus was greater than anybody else they could follow. Why is this so significant? Because we like to give leaders in our lives divine status. Tell me if you've ever thought, said, or heard one of these phrases before, but the next president is going to save our country. If it's not that one, it'll be the next one, right? But one of them is definitely going to do it. What about this one? The next coach would take us all the way. If we just had a new coach, we'd be able to go all the way. What about this one? A different pastor would meet all of my needs. Listen, I don't know if they're talking about you, Mike, or if they're talking about me, but we're going to let them down, aren't we? You see, you can put your hope and your trust in a lot of different leaders, but let me tell you something. If you put your hope and trust in a politician, a pastor, or anybody else, they will fall short. The only person who's going to deliver every single time is Jesus Christ. Here's why that's true, because Jesus knows you, Jesus loves you, and he has the power to do something about it. Let me tell you something. Fix your eyes on Jesus, because only he is going to carry you through every single time. Here's the second thing that the early church would have understood by this comparison between Jesus and Moses. It's this, Jesus is greater than my religion. Jesus is greater than my religion. You see, Moses, I like the energy, y'all. This is good. Some of y'all need to come to the second service, okay, so that you can bring a little bit of this with you. But Jesus is greater than my religion. Moses was the founder of the nation. More than that, he was the symbol of faith. And if Jesus is greater than that, if Jesus is greater than Moses, then he is greater than anything else that we consider sacred. This is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. What that means is if we end up in heaven, it's not going to be because of the law of Moses. It's not going to be because of the religious things that we consider sacred. It's going to be because we place our hope and our trust in the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, there's still sacred things today that we put our hope and our trust in. You see, maybe it's, maybe it's the church building. Okay, the church is good. I love the church. I've given my entire life to serving the church. But it's because it's a pathway to get to Jesus. Maybe it's a Bible app that you keep on your phone. Let me tell you something. There is no better app that you are going to put on your phone than the Bible app. But it is a map that will take you to Jesus. Jesus is the one that we're following. Let me tell you what religion sometimes looks like. It, it sometimes looks like behavior modification. And specifically, it looks like us trying to outdo the other people in our lives. I'm religious because I'm better than so-and-so. 
I'm religious because I give more money. I'm religious because I spend more time serving. I'm religious because I read my Bible more often. I'm religious because I do this less than that person. How many of you go to the gym, anybody? It's December, so none of y'all go to the gym. Don't even lie. <laughs> I use this again in January. You go to the gym and, and you get on the treadmill. I like to run, but I hate getting on the treadmill. And one of the reasons is because when I'm at the gym and I'm on the treadmill, I start looking around at everybody else, right? And then it becomes a competition. And all of a sudden, this old person comes in, okay? And they get on the treadmill, and they're outrunning me. And I'm like, you gotta keep it up. Like, you gotta go. And I push harder, and I push harder, and I, I do damage to my body because I work so hard because I'm not getting off this treadmill until you do, you know? That's how it works. I've gotta impress other people. And I'll go for 10 minutes, and 20 minutes, and 30 minutes, and 40 minutes. I wasn't prepared to go 12 minutes, but I just keep going. And you start to think, do I get credit for this? That's how we live our religious lives, isn't it? We start doing more than the person next to us and we say, God, do I get credit for this? God, God, do you see all that I'm doing? Do you see the show that I'm performing for you? And the truth is we don't get credit for any of that because get this religion grades on a curve, but a relationship with Jesus is about being real and letting Jesus do for us what we could never do for ourselves. See, nobody is worthy, nobody is good enough, but Jesus overcame it all. This is what Christianity is all about. It's about giving everything we got, but then trusting that Jesus is gonna step in. He is going to make up the difference. Religion says do, but Jesus says done. Are you still trying to improve or impress God by comparing yourself to others, by being religious? Here's my challenge. Let's fix our thoughts on him and stop worrying about everybody else and let Jesus work in our own lives. Here's the third thing, final thing, that the early church would have understood instinctively when they heard this comparison between Jesus and Moses. They would have heard this, Jesus is greater than my past. Jesus is greater than my past. You see, the Jewish Christians that this was written to, they were constantly under pressure from their friends and their family and their relatives to renounce their faith in Jesus and turn back to Moses. Over and over again, this would have come up in regular conversations. There was so much pressure on them to abandon their faith and turn back to Moses, which is why verse six of Hebrews chapter three says this, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope in which we glory. We are his house. We are his people. We are his family if we hold firmly to our confidence in him. Let me tell you what we hold firmly to in my house. It's cell phone chargers, okay? Anybody have a problem with that in their house? Man, we hold on to them like our life depends on it, okay? That holds the power in our house. And we have an option. We've got a drawer full of old ones. We could go back to those, but they don't charge as fast, you know? Um, some of them are frayed on the end, and they're not, they're not what we're looking for. And so what we do is we hide them from our siblings or from our spouse. We write on them. Um, it says, property of dad. Don't touch this, don't we? That's what we do in my house because we want to hold on to that because it has the power that we need. If we put it down, it's gone. Somebody will take it, and we will lose access. Let me tell you, the whole letter of Hebrews challenges us to stay close to Jesus and to finish the race we've begun, to hold firmly to him without putting him down or turning back. Listen, I don't know what your past looks like. 
I don't know what it is that, that Satan may be whispering in your ear saying, just abandon all of this and turn back to that. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship with, with alcohol or, or, or with sex or with money. That seems to be the trifecta for a lot of people. Maybe it's something else altogether. You see, right now, this is a hard season for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people, even people in this room, we've lost loved ones over this past year over the past two years, and Christmas season is probably gonna be the hardest Christmas season you've ever been through in your entire life. A lot of times when that pressure and that pain starts to wear down on us, we hear that whisper in our ear that says, listen, just go back to your past. Just go back to those old habits. Go back to that addiction. Go back to that decision that sparkles every time you're overwhelmed. But what this comparison says is that we can't turn back to anything but Jesus because only Jesus has the strength to carry us through these days. Listen, when you're struggling, when it's hard and when you're overwhelmed, don't look back to what you did before. You found Jesus for a reason. You cling to him with everything you've got. Fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on him and know that he holds the power of salvation. He provides hope, he provides purpose, he provides freedom and he provides joy. He is the answer. Here's a sermon in a sentence. Nothing is greater than Jesus. Nothing is greater than Jesus. Listen, if you understand that basic principle, it'll help you keep your eyes focused on Jesus even when distractions pile up. Santa Claus doesn't stand a chance when you recognize all that Jesus is able to do and all that Jesus is able to provide. Listen, it's my hope and my prayer for you in this Christmas season uh, that you cling to Jesus like you've never clung to him before and you trust that he is the greatest thing in your life he is the greatest thing this season, and he is the only one that will deliver every single time. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna move into a time of communion. And we do this every week as a church. If you're new, um, we want you to know there's communion available at stations in the front, in the middle of the room, all the way in the back of the room. And, and all it really is, is it's a fancy word for a little cracker and some juice. They don't even taste great. Just wanna give you an advance warning. But it's not about how it tastes, it's about what it reminds us of. And so we take these elements as a reminder of what Jesus did for us, and, and we take these elements as a way of saying, Jesus, I just want to focus on you above all else. So for the next few moments, it's going to be quiet. We're going to give you a chance to get up and take of the communion elements, and you can go back to your seat. You can take it as a family. You can take it with your spouse or, or um, somebody that's sitting next to you. Maybe you're with your community group. Grab them and take it together. Maybe you just want to be personal and quiet and alone with Jesus. Whatever it is, just make sure you focus on him and say, Jesus, nothing is greater than you. I thank you for all that you've done for me. And I'm gonna celebrate you in this moment. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we turn to you right now instead of anything else. God, we're not taking a few silent moments to think about our schedules or the Christmas traditions or God, anything else because nothing else has the power that you have. There's nowhere else to turn. You're the answer, you're the hope, you are salvation. And so we're gonna focus our hearts and our minds on you. Lord, I pray as we take these elements, God, that it just reminds us of how great you are. And I pray that you move in our hearts. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at